This is PhotoBizX, episode number 526, and today we have returning guest who is an absolute favourite if past comments are anything to go by. We've got photography, business and mindset coach Joel Dunn back on the podcast talking about not only mindset, but modern day marketing strategies to help you build a more successful portrait and wedding photography business. That interview is coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the PhotoBiz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here, host of the PhotoBizX podcast, where I interview guests from around the world to help you build a better photography business even faster. Than going it alone. I'm coming to you today from the Costa Brava on the coast and east of Girona, where I'm spending a week or so with Linda's family who flew down from Scotland to see us here. We're having a great time. And if this audio does sound a little echoey, it's because I have locked myself inside to record the intro and outro for today's episode before we get outside. And I have to get this done reasonably quickly before the kids come barging in and taking over the place and going nuts. (laughs) So let's get into this episode with Joel Dunn. I know you're going to love what he shares today. Just before we do jump into that, if you didn't catch last week's episode with Michelle Wrighton, get back and have a listen to that one, particularly if you live in a low population area. Michelle lives in as remote an area as you can imagine, in country Western Australia. It's a tiny, tiny town. She services a large area. She has diversified her income with a few different strategies. She talks all about that, plus how she's bringing in the clients that actually travel miles and miles or kilometers and kilometers to get to her home base studio, including a long, long dirt road. So my thinking is if she can get clients to come to her, There's no reason why you can't get clients to come and see you as well. And she talks all about how she's doing exactly that in last week's episode. You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich, photobizx.com. Alrighty, we are going to jump into this interview with Joel Dunn in just a second. If you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now, what that means is you will not hear the full interview today with Joel. I am saving a large portion. Some would say, well, I would say the best part of the interview for premium members only. It's where we get into the actual marketing strategies that Joel loves and teaches his paying clients. So if you want to hear all that, you can do that for as little as $1.00 with a 30-day trial membership. And there are more details about that trial membership over at photobizx.com forward slash try. Welcome to another great time for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Today's guest, Joel Dunn, needs no introduction if you've been listening for any length of time. He's one of Australia's most recognised and sought-after photography business coaches. And he focuses on mindset as much as business something that so many photographers need help with to increase prices, break down barriers, and truly become successful doing what they love. Now, I'm looking forward to seeing what I can pull from him today. 
after having him appear in so many past episodes, including 330, where he shared how to create a money-making portrait photography business. Or the premium-only episode 25, where he taught how to implement two of his favorite and best-performing Facebook ad strategies. Joel also presented the Photography Pricing Masterclass and delivered webinars I'll link to on feeling the fear and getting it done anyway, and how to change your mindset and grow your business. And if all that's not enough, you can check out some of the past interviews I've done with his super successful coaching clients, including Sam Goodwin, Michelle Fay, Nick Buttigieg, Leah Hoffman, Brianna Schrader, and recently Jules and Ben from Cairns in Australia. I am super happy to have him back with us now. Joel, welcome back, mate. It's quite an introduction. Thank you, Andrew. Really looking forward to it. <laughs> some names there from the past, or are they all are they all still current clients? Uh, some current, some past clients. Yeah, some amazing, some of my favourite clients in there. I don't have favourite clients, but <laughs> some of the ones that got some amazing results because, yeah, they put in the work and they're smashing it. That's so good. So with you, like, is the idea that someone comes in for coaching and then they move on and go it alone or are you sort of there to handhold them through their whole career? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Like I just had a 12-week program when I started and that was it. And then I saw a need for people that, well, what's next? What can we still work together? So we created the mastermind and that's not for everyone. That's sort of for people who love the 12-week program and still want to evolve their business. So it's it's a higher level, I guess, program and then i found a gap again where the people didn't quite fit into that or didn't want that level so we created uh inspired minds which is the jumper i got on uh some merch got here but um that's just a memory Joel's holding up a coffee mug there within the what is it be inspired be inspired yeah it's called inspired minds so it's like a high level membership so it's group coaching and that's for people who don't want the one-on-one or don't want the price of the one-on-one but still want something and that's sort of the in-between thing which we sort of launched late last year um yeah so some people come and go in 12 weeks and others i've been working with for years yeah and then we had a retreat recently where you know nick came on the retreat actually so i started working with nick in 2000 and maybe 19 and then he did the 12 week and the mastermind then he um now he's in the inspired minds and he came to the retreat so it's really i love you know catching up and you've you know you make friends for life with these people absolutely and look i know you said you don't have favorites but i mean yeah there's certainly some standouts and that's the same with all the interviews that i've recorded as well you know the ones that i'm I'm linking to regularly and, and referring back to what is it about the successful photographers that you've coached that makes them successful do you think is there something in common that they have i think there is yeah there's a couple of things number one they're coachable and what i mean by that is they trust the process and they just dive in and do it. And even though they don't know what the results are going to be or the fear around it. And the other thing is they have the discipline to do the things that the others don't. And what I mean by that is, and I say this all the time to my clients, like the morning ritual I get people to do, which we can talk about later in my program, the clients, uh, Nick's an example of that the clients that do that the most consistently get dramatically different results. So it's a quick, 20-minute process we get all the clients to do, but some clients really struggle with it. You know, have to get up earlier. It's a discipline. It's a habit you've got to form. But the ones who do that, they get the really good results. And now, interesting thing, it's got nothing to do with marketing. It's got nothing to do with sales, but it is creating the habit and the mindset to start each day to really powerfully move through and shift your business results. Okay, so it sounds like the ones that are most successful are the most disciplined. Yeah, 
And discipline's an interesting word. It's just being open to change and habits are really hard to shift. And it's choose like what I call choose your hard. Like it's hard to get up earlier in the morning and do a meditation and do certain things. It's easier to stay in bed, right? And a lot of people choose the easy option. But then if you choose the hard option up front, you get the easier life or the easier business. But if you choose the easy option up front, you hit the harder business and you struggle more. So you choose which hard you want. That's how I like to frame it. Like I've been doing the morning ritual and certain things, and I just ordered an ice bath to start doing that as well as part of my morning <laughs> practice, which I'm not looking forward to. But I know the benefits because I've been doing a little bit and I'm happy to do the hard things every day, even though every time that alarm goes off, I do not want to get out of bed. <laughs> I know the benefits. See, like an ice bath, right, on top of all that, which sounds absolutely horrendous, especially if you live in Melbourne. Like, are you choosing that because you're looking for the health benefits or are you doing it just because it's hard to challenge yourself and be more disciplined? Both, both. Like when we went away recently to Bright um, over Easter, the, there's a river that runs off the mountain there. It's freezing cold. And I got up and did some um, – I jumped in there to just to like, you know, try the whole ice bath thing and it was really hard and it was hard to do. But once I finished, I felt amazing. Like, and I've done a lot of research into the benefits of it and talked to a lot of people and the benefits of health benefits, phenomenal, but also the mindset benefits. Like your endorphins are, are charging for about four hours after that. So you're feeling really you know, energetic and alive for four hours after, which nothing else gives you that. Exercise gives you that for a smaller amount of time. But the mindset behind it as well is if you do something that difficult and that hard, like jumping in an ice bath first thing in the morning, everything else is easy. <laughs> that That is the most true thing you've said because I, I can't think of anything worse. <laughs> I hate the cold. Yeah, so do I. Like I tried the cold showers, but I just couldn't bring myself. That's my happy place. I couldn't bring myself to turn that cold. And when I did, it was horrible. I'd rather jump in a bath. Like it's not a bath, it's like a tub. Yeah. Um, it's going to be at the back deck near this little studio pot I got here and you only need two or three minutes. But, yeah, it sucks when you first do it. And on the retreat we did a cold water um, session one of the mornings with all of them in the ocean in Rye. It was freezing but it was so much fun as well. <laughs> I can see it being more fun like with a group and all going through the pain together. But doing it alone, like getting up at 5.30 or 5 o'clock and doing that, man, that is, that is brutal. I know. I'm not, you know when you do something, you order it and you go, oh, no, why did I order that? <laughs> I'm going to have to use it now. <laughs> you can always make it a hot tub. <laughs> um, look, I know you said we can talk about the morning ritual later, but I'm curious because I mean, I've heard about your morning ritual. I've heard, I think there's another, I can't, the terms or the name's not coming to me straight away, you know, where you have this early morning start. Like for me, I like the sound of it, but my mornings are all different every day of the week. And I'm getting up to exercise one day, then I think I've got, well, I've got a sleeping day on a Thursday, so I'm going to make the most of that. Like how does someone like me fit that into my program? And I guess the listener is the same. We're all doing different things. We've got shoots on different days, different timetables. How do we make that work with a different timetable? Yeah, it's a really good question. We talk like particularly with mums or dads with small kids that are getting up at random hours and have no sleep schedule. But for me, and like same, I exercise in the morning as well. So mine differs depending on the day. So I go to the gym Monday, Wednesday, Friday, get up at, you know, 5.40 or whatever, and then I'll do the gym, then I'll come back and I'll do the morning ritual after the gym. Uh, when I had kids, it fluctuated as well. But do it ideally, there's an ideal. So the ideal is to do it before you do anything else in the morning. 
So you get up and do it because once you start your day or you lock, go into Facebook or you go on Instagram or your emails or you go upstairs to see your family and start dealing with kids, it's chances of you getting it done are dramatically lower. So one of the things when I had little kids is I'd get up and go to the gym and I knew if I drove home and came inside, that was it was done so i just do my quick meditation in the car in the driveway before i came inside because that's the main thing you really need i guess time for you you know now the kids are fine i can come in and they're old enough they they know when i'm meditating they'll leave me alone but when you've got a two-year-old you know jumping on you and it's hard to meditate <laughs> so yeah like this morning i get up at like you know a bit before six and i do it and then i go for a walk with my sister on thursdays for example um Tomorrow I'll get up and I'll go to the gym and I'll come back and I'll do it at about 7 till 7.30, 7.40. And you need buy-in from the people around you. So my wife understands what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, all that sort of stuff. So it's sort of working with your family, with your circumstances to manage it. And it might look different for every person. Like um, I've had clients, you know, with little kids. So sometimes they might not get to do it till 9 o'clock when the kids go to school or to go to kinder. And that's just where they're at. But you just still have to have the discipline to get it done before you get into your day because most people will go, I haven't got time for it now, so I'm just going to jump in. Yeah. Why don't you do it before you go to the gym on Monday, Wednesday, Friday? I tried that, but that meant getting up at 5 o'clock, which meant, you know, having to get to bed. um, I've got an aura ring, which really tracks my sleep schedule, and that's one of the biggest energy-inducing activities you do is sleep. You need a decent amount of sleep. So seven hours is sort of what works for me. So getting my life to get up at that time wasn't really working. So I decided to do it after and it works for me now. But yeah, I had times where I did get up at five because the kids were, you know, getting up at 5.30 or six or what have you. So you just, I had one client, probably the most hard, she was amazing. She was a single mom. She'd get up at four in the morning so she could fit the morning ritual in and do an hour's work before she had to get the kids off to the daycare then go into the city an hour to do her job a day job and then come back and she had a business like she was phenomenal and she she managed to do that amazing so you talked about having buy-in from your family what's your wife's name Heidi Heidi does Heidi do this too um she does the meditation she doesn't do the whole and she does like bits and pieces of it the interesting thing with partners is when you get something like this and you start to see the benefits and feel it. You want to tell everyone, right? Yes. And I remember when I started doing it, it was before I was a coach, and I'm like trying to say to my wife, you've got to meditate. This is the best thing ever. And she pretty much told me to nick off, right? Like, don't tell me what to do. But then, I don't know, three months later, she came to me and goes, okay, what's this meditation thing you're talking about? So you can't, you want to tell everyone, but people then will see a shift in you and then they'll ask about it. So it's sort of like, you know, when people go on a diet, like, wow, how did you lose the weight? very obvious but with meditation or mindset people can't see anything but they can feel it right they can see a shift in your demeanor and they're like hey what are you doing and i've same i've got friends who you know very blokey bloke footy friends that you know would hang a heap of shit on me about meditating and all the stuff i'd put up online and now they come to me and go all right what's this stuff you're doing can you help me <laughs> meditate or can you tell me what you're doing so that's a big shift in particularly those people yeah yeah i can see the uh, i think the comparison with weight loss is a perfect one because i know that if anyone including me if i'm going to try and lose some weight i mean i'm telling everyone about what i'm eating what i'm doing like you got to do this too this is great and people like shut up just (laughs) but then when you actually lose the weight then like oh what did you do yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
It's exactly it right. Is. It's funny. Yeah. Mate, bringing it back to our photographers that you've worked with, and we talked about you know defining the ones that are successful. Do you feel that, and I don't hear this much from photographers, that you have to have an idea of what success is for you, whether that's, I don't know, whether it's a number, whether it's a number of shoots, whether it's an income level. Like, do you have to define success to be successful for yourself? I think, yes, in a way. Like you said, success is different for everyone. That's why we really articulate early when I'm working with someone a tangible outcome. And a lot of the time it could be a turnover figure or amount of shoots they want because you can't hit a target if you don't know what it is. And the other thing we do is we set what I call holistic goals as well. So we've got our big business goal, which I call the stretch goal that we we set for every client. And then we have the holistic goals, which is goals around your relationship with your partner, with your kids, your health, your fitness, your finances, your fun, your you know activities, your adventure. So there's no point in having an amazing business as everything else is burning to the ground. So we want to have it as a really holistic approach and the holistic goals is something you check on every week and go, okay, where am I sitting? And then every three months you can really check in and go, all right, I've dropped off on this area. Like for example, you might want to go on a date night once a month with your wife and you get to March and you go, well, shit, we haven't done any yet. It's all right, check that. Let's book one in, right? So you're sort of getting yourself back on track because you know how easy in life it is just to, you know, it's already May. It's only June, you know, and you're like, geez, I haven't done this, this, and this. Um, holidays, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it is really important to keep an eye on where you want to go and have steps and tracking to make sure you're hitting it. So I imagine that all of your coaching clients will have a list or a spreadsheet or a notepad or a journal where they've got their goals listed. They should, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So the big goal we have, I do it a bit differently, but mine's just on my wall here and I get them all to do a big A2 sheet and it's written a certain way with sticky notes on. We go through and like every single step it's going to take to it. So let's say it's I want to turn over 400,000. We work out what the average sales need to be, how many shoots you need to, this is for a portrait studio obviously, what marketing avenues, what we need to do with price lists and pros. So we put every single step on there so because what can happen with a big goal, it's like, well, that's fine, but it's too overwhelming. So we really break it down and go, okay, this is step one. This is step two. And through the 12-week program, they might get through 20% of those steps or 50%, depending on the client, obviously, and where they're tracking. But the whole point of the 12-week program is to get them everything they need to know and all the processes in place to hit that goal, which is usually a yearly goal. So, you know, nine months time. Is that the stretch goal or that's a different goal? Correct. That's the stretch goal. So I've interviewed, like I said, so many of your coaching clients in the past, and I have heard them talk about stretch goals. And I can't remember if it was Jules, Jules and Ben or one of the other ones that said, you know, they, they didn't quite get their stretch goal. So, mm. and I feel like they're torn. They're like, I feel bad that I didn't reach it. But then it also sounds like you're not meant to reach it. Which one is it? Yeah, that's a really good question because we usually set goals we know we can achieve. Right. So we can go, oh, tick off. I achieved that goal. So we don't set high enough standards for ourselves. So what we do with a stretch goal is let's say a client might come and go, all right, I'm going to, I want to set it at 150,000 turnover. And I'm going, cool, let's make it two, right? 200,000. Because when you make it a bigger goal than you think you can get, you're, this is why we call it a stretch goal. You're really stretching yourself. You open your awareness up because you, we can often look like a tunnel vision at something and go, well, if I do this, this, and this, okay, I did 120,000 last year. If I do these things different, I can get to 150. 
But to get to a 200 or 250, you have to really open your awareness and look at things differently and go, wow, this is big, bigger picture. And the thing is with that, let's say we do set it at 250 instead of 150. If you get to 220, you're going to be pumped, right? You didn't hit it, but you get way more than 150. But I guarantee if you set it at 150, you'd hit 150 on the dot. You wouldn't get higher than that. So we always tend to push it. And if you don't make it, it's not the end. That's not the point. It's like who you become in trying to achieve that goal. Got it. Yeah. I like that. So let's say I came in and I said, I want to reach 150. And you say, hey, come on, Andrew, let's go for something a little bit higher. Let's go for 200. Let's say I reach 200. Do you then encourage me to say, hey, take some time for yourself now, back it off, or okay, let's let's go for 250 or 300? Like, what's the next? Yeah, you really just check in with the client. Like, because for me, it's like, okay, you've hit this mark. Is this exactly where are you happy here? Like, is this where you want to be? And if it is, fantastic. Like, you don't always have to be achieving for more. Like, some people do, and I'm definitely one of those people that I'm never comfortable if I hit a goal. And I used to be really bad at this, but now I'm not. I celebrate it. But then I'll go, okay, what feels right? What's next for me? Because I'm, and most business owners are like this. They're high achievers or they, they're very motivated by goals. So I always like to set something that's going to motivate me and excite me. And sitting on the same level for me is not going to excite me. For some people, that was like, I've hit this and I love it and I'm perfect. Let's maintain this then. And, you know, some people it might be a hundred thousand, some people might be a million. It just doesn't really matter what the number is. It's what's right for you and your circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like you just said, I hear about so many photographers, entrepreneurs, business people always striving for more. Do you ever have a photographer or a client come to you and say, Joel, a hundred thousand dollars is what I want to make, but I don't want to spend five days a week doing it. I want to do that in two days a week. Like, is that a good, Yeah. did you hear that, that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've had definitely had clients. Like I've got um, one in particular I'm thinking of that I'm working with now and she's retired. She's always loved photography. She's never had a business out of it. She's just done it for fun, but she wants to have something. Yeah, I think it's two days a week. That's her like sort of that 15 hours a week, sort of that's all she wants to put towards it. She takes amazing photos and like, yeah, let's build a business around that, around your lifestyle. She looks after her grandkids and different things. So it's like, okay, what's a target? You know, you're not going to say a million dollars, right? Obviously, if you're working 15 hours a week, so it has to be relative. So we just set a, set a target for her and a man a shoot she can comfortably do in that time and we're setting up a business and process around that. Right, okay. Okay, cool. I like that. Cool. Because I don't hear many photographers, I guess some women or, or mums in business, you know, they obviously can't spend 40 or 50 hours a week working on the business. But I don't hear many people like celebrating the idea of working less to make a comfortable income. Like no one's talking about that that I hear. Mm. Well, actually, I'm working with a a stay-at-home dad at the moment who's saying like he's got a certain amount of time because his wife works full-time and he's caring for the the little one um, a few days a week. So we've got to work his business around that. I've done the same with usually it's mums. Obviously, that's, you know, societal thing usually that the mum's the one that's doing that. But, yeah, you do and you've got drop-offs and pickups and, a lot of the time when I'm working with a client, we structure their weekday with everything first, What I mean, everything else first. So what's, what are your exercising routines, kids, all this different stuff, and then we put the business in after that. Okay, we've got 20 hours left or we've got 40 hours left to put into the business. Then we can understand what's achievable because, like I said, it's a holistic view of the, you know, of the business. 
Yeah. Let me talk or ask you about pricing because I hear a lot of coaches preaching the fact that photographers need to raise their prices. That's how they're going to get to their goals. That's how they're going to make more money. But is that always the solution or is it okay to put up your prices without looking at other parts of your business first? Uh, good question. I think it's not always necessarily about putting up prices. Um, a lot of time prices aren't too bad. It's just the process beforehand and how they're prepping their clients, how they're quoting their clients. And a lot of photographers, like a lot, undervalue themselves and they're cutting themselves off. And they're not they're devaluing what they do, but they're also not giving their clients the opportunity to buy. What I mean by that is if you're giving your clients just digitals, you're not giving your clients the opportunity to have beautiful wall art because they're not going to be able to do it. Like they'll print it at Kmart or something, or they won't print. Most of them won't do anything with it. So it's sort of a waste of time. So I think giving the opportunity for them to buy beautiful artworks, and it doesn't have to be crazy prices. Like we start, you know, you might start at $500 and go up to three or 4000 But when you have a process in place, you can get a really powerful average and not have to sell. It's like you're going to the purchasing appointment on the same page as your client and they're just picking what they want where they're comfortable yeah right, let me ask you about that process in one second but what about the dad the stay-at-home dad that you're coaching or some of the mums that you've coached in the past does it ever make sense for them to sell just digitals because they don't want to do ips they don't want to sell products look like yeah and that's something every time i'm coaching someone I go this is not black and white this isn't a, you know this is like a conversation so we work out where they're at what they want to do and why they're thinking a certain way is it around fear is it around a reason and then i just say this is you know my take on it, it doesn't mean it's it's gospel right well you can go and do whatever you like <laughs> you know i mean i've had you know i guess conversations with clients where they've been very resistant to certain things and then they try it and then they never go back because it like works or sometimes like, okay this might be exactly where you need to be and, and what you need to do yeah so it's a, it's an open conversation it's different for every client right okay and look, because I've got wedding clients, commercial clients, so it's very different for everyone. Yeah, okay. So, but, but generally speaking, for portrait photographers, they're going to do better, make more money, have a better lifestyle if they're selling products. Yeah, generally. Like time for effort or reward for effort, I believe, is in in-person sales because there is definitely a limit on what you can charge for a, a digital product or people are willing to pay and there's a ceiling on that. It all, all comes back to how many hours you're putting in per client. That's what we look at as well. So, you know, at our studio before I finished, we had four hours contact with each client. That's how long each client would take from initial call, you know, because we outsource retouching and stuff. And our average sale was close to 3000 where I've had people that have got a good average, like $2,500 average, but they're spending 30 to 40 hours per client. So when you break it down, they can really only service one client a week where we could service, uh, and I was only doing one hour of those four hours, so we could really service five to ten clients a week if we wanted to with minimal time. So it's about really fine-tuning processes as well and having automations and different things in place and outsourcing. And a lot of photographers over-retouch, <laughs> like a lot, most of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to take you back to the process in just a second. But you said something interesting earlier about that one of your current clients. I think, I don't know if you said she was a mum, but a lady photographer yeah. who only wants to work two days a week. Then you said, and her photography is amazing. 
Like, how much does that matter in regards to being successful? It matters not much at all. <laughs> so why did you say that? Oh, I just like, I get blown away by how amazing some of these people are at photography, like, and what they're charging or not charging, it's like, wow, like then they still think they're not good enough. Like <laughs> I would I would count myself as a good photographer, not a brilliant photographer. I just I was a good photographer. But very successful. And I've seen brilliant photographers go out of business. So we put too much emphasis on the photography part of it because that's what we love, right? That's what we our passion is. But when you or wanting to run it as a business, you have to shift your mindset to a business owner, not a photographer. If you keep showing up as a photographer, you'll go broke because you'll over-retouch. You'll worry about what your photos look like and what you're putting on social media, what everyone else is doing. When you work as a business owner, you're up processes and how do I fine-tune my client experience and how do I sell these products? But it's more to do with the client experience and how they feel than what the lighting is. You know, obviously, it's important. Like, you need to be a good photography you need to uh, enjoy your craft and be good at it but there's a point where you don't need to be the best i agree with you if the photography is good or brilliant and the experience is good or brilliant like what's the best combination for the best sales is it is it you know great experience and average photography yeah it's always i would say the experience is way more important than the, the photography at a point, like once you're good enough as a photographer, and what I mean by that is you know how to shoot clean, nice lighting, you know, compositions and styling and um, posing, that's all you need. Like, you know, let's say you're a 6 out of 10. Like 10 out of 10 is the best photographer in the world, best handful of photographers in the world. If you're a 6 out of 10 or more, you're fine. Like, But you could be a brilliant photographer, but your process sucks or you can't market or sell it, you're not going to make any money. Right. Like you're just not. For sure. Okay. So can you look at, let's say I come to you for coaching and I've got a website or a portfolio. Can you look at that and like, how long would it take for you to say, yep, your photography is good enough or you need to work on your photography? I reckon 30 seconds. To be say a $200,000 business. The first thing I do if someone wants to potentially do coaching is I have a quick look at their website and 995 times over a hundred, it's fine. There is times where I've gone, look, you're probably not ready for coaching yet because you need to work on your craft for sure and go back and, and fine-tune the craft. But very rarely, like, I'm always blown away by how good they are, <laughs> they are like how brilliant they are as photographers, like beautiful work. So when you go to do that, are you also assessing the website or are you just looking at the photography? Just the photography. Right, yeah. okay. Yes. I don't really care what a website looks like when I'm starting to work with them. Oh, okay. So is a website important? To a degree, it's not as important as people think. It's like a logo. Like the amount of times I hear people go, oh, when I finish my website or when I get a logo, when I do this, then we'll, I might get a coach. It's like, well, like <laughs> I, had a, I was a business coach for three years before I had a website. <laughs> <laughs> I had a Facebook page and that's it, and I didn't really do a lot on it. And, you know, it's probably not the best thing to do, but you need a website, but it doesn't – it's not the be-all and end-all. Like it's – important to a degree but it's, i want like if someone says i need to work on my website i go now let's get some cash flow going first then you can work on your website right okay yeah. i like that all right i'm going to ask you something when we stop recording about doing an assessment for photographers and we'll we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll see where that leads and then uh, we'll talk about it when this goes live <laughs> see if we can do something to help photographers that are listening um 
Talk to me about the process because that sounds like that's where the experience comes in, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The process starts from the first point of contact they have with you, whether it be a, an ad or a competition, those sort of things, and that's sort of the the first point. And then it's every time that, like for me, and I have a bit of kickback on this, is when you do a competition or something, we always post out beautiful vouchers and a brochure and a letter, everything that looks amazing, where other photographers like too much time and effort and money. For me, I'm just going to email it. The difference between you getting an email saying you've won a voucher and a, you know, a little bit of a PDF or you opening something with these beautiful photos with your name on it with you know is so different. And, yes, it might cost you a couple hundred bucks to send that out, but I guarantee you you're starting your process at such a higher level and you're going to get more engagement and, and more trust as well when you pick up that phone and call them. And, obviously, yeah, the phone calls, the emails you send, this is all the client experience. So... The more time and effort people give you, the more they're willing to invest with you. Okay. So you said that you might send out these, you know, product guides and price lists and brochures in the mail. No price lists or product guides though. Oh, sorry. So what are you actually sending out? And you said a couple hundred bucks. Surely that's not per person. No, 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 no. That's like if you're sending out, say, 100 vouchers, it's probably going to cost you, you know, oh, okay. 60 cents in stamps or whatever, another dollar per, you know, per thing. So we send a voucher brochure and a letter right okay and do you have a starting at price or average price nothing nothing about pricing at that point no not at that point we're very very upfront with pricing in the process and that's important but we never send a full price list there's a few reasons for that but one is it, it gets very analytical it gets confusing and people don't want everything they want a specific product which is what we try to get to and quote them on the phone and in the planning appointment and we do have product guides at the end as well like before they come in so there's different there's a whole process to it yeah okay so but so really the moral though of what you're saying is it's better to send something in the post than send a pdf digitally correct yeah like if you think what you'd rather get as an experience or what would feel better like everyone now all they open is bills and stuff from the government right you get something really nice, like beautiful photos. It's exciting. It's a start of a process. And you're like, you know, you've got QR codes and stuff you can do now, which make, you know, booking and calls easier, all this stuff that came from COVID that's actually, you know, beneficial now. <laughs> so what's the goal of getting that physical brochure into the potential client's hand? Is it to have them call you? Premium members of PhotoBiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. Mate, I've got a thousand other things I could ask you. We're going to have to follow up. I'm going to ask you a couple more questions after we stop recording as well because I can see a, a future course here already and uh, I'm going to ask you uh, potentially to do a favour for listeners as well. But before that, and I'll come back to that um, when this goes live, but before that, where's the best places for people to find you and what you're doing and how they get involved with you, get coached by you, get in your mentoring programs? Yeah, like Instagram's where we put up a lot of content these days and Facebook. So just Joel Dunn, J-O-H-L-D-U-N-N um, or joeldunn.com is the website and you can, you know, have a look there. And, you know, the best, if they're interested in coaching is just to reach out either by DM or email or booking a call to have a chat. So I'm always open to having a chat you know there's no cost to that just to unpack if it's right for them where they're at you know what they need help around those sort of things and you know i've 
got some amazing clients through listening, you know, people listen to your podcast and, and come through. Awesome. And so Inspired Minds, is that a new brand or what is that? It's just the membership portal. Yeah. It's quite new. So we're still, we haven't, we did a, like, we've done a launch. We've got about 30 members in there, but we haven't really pushed it or talked about it too much. Mainly it's past clients at the moment, but yeah, it's something we're going to explore a bit more in the, in the future. Fantastic, man. I'm looking forward to following along. Massive thanks again for coming on, sharing everything you have and uh, looking forward to, to talking more, mate. Thanks again. Not a problem. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Joel as much as I did. Joel, if you are listening, again, mate, thank you so much for coming on, for being so willing to answer all the questions that I throw at you. Uh, you're, yeah, you're an absolute gem and uh, you shared an absolute ton. So again, mate, thank you so much. For you, the listener, I'm sure there were a ton of takeaways from what Joel had to share today. If you would like to follow up with anything that he shared, I've got links to all that and anything I mentioned in the intro in the show notes for today's episode. They are at photobizx.com forward slash 526. That's where you'll find links to anything and everything that Joel mentioned, plus links to past episodes and interviews with Joel and his clients. You'll also see some great photos of Joel and his family. And at the very bottom of that page, if you do have a follow-up comment or question for Joel, you can hit him up there or you can reach out to him on social media or email. I've got links to all those places in the show notes. And of course, if you are a premium member, you can reach Joel in the members Facebook group. Just tag him in there. And I know that he'll be happy to come back and answer any questions you have. And if you're thinking about coaching with Joel, Go and check out his website, organize a one-on-one call and see if you feel he would be a good fit for you to help you get your photography business where you want it to be. Alrighty, that is just about going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. I'm going to get this out to you and then enjoy some more family time with Linda and her family. We've only got another day or two here before heading back to Girona when my mum arrives and we get to show her around the places that we love and go and discover a few new places together as well. Alrighty, I hope you have an amazing week ahead. I hope business is going well. If you do want to talk about things, you can reach me on email or I can see you inside the members Facebook group. Have a great week. Stay safe, healthy and well wherever you are in the world and I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. enjoyed this episode head to photobizx.com join the conversation leave a comment and share your thoughts on the interview with andrew and today's special guest